Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Good morning. This is Ursula Odom, and I am your host of Blog Talk, Nabwick Talks, and I am the CEO of Sula2, and we make old, new, and everything we do in that we will capture, preserve, and present your legacy information in any form possible. And that means if you want to write a book or to tell a story, that's what we will help you do. This morning... I get to do that for NABWIC, meaning that I get to hear a wonderful story from a wonderful person and share that story with you. And who we will be hearing from today is Tylene Henry. And Tylene is an entrepreneur, powerful change agent, and a staunch advocate for socioeconomic parity. Tylene believes that her faith, character, and mindset of abundance have been the foundation of her continued success. Tylene has been referred to as the follow-up queen as a result of her three Ps, professional, patience, and persistence in developing relationships and access to resources necessary to create positive impact on the communities she serves. In addition to being a doting mother and aunt, Tylene owns and operates a professional financial services practice and a strategic business consulting firm. She serves as a President, uh, President-elect of the Detroit Area National Association of Black Women in Construction, and she serves on Congresswoman Brenda Lawrence's Women's Advisory Committee. She is a long-term, long-time mentor and volunteer with the Rhonda Walker Foundation, and serves on the board of Fresh Perspectives Seminars and is a volunteer facilitator for Youth for Global Health and Social Justice. Tylene also enjoys spending time with her family, travel, and being of service to her community. I can't wait. Good morning, Ms. Henry. And my apologize, my apologies to everyone. I had her talking and she couldn't be heard because she was still on mute. Good morning, Miss Henry. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for being a, a, a guest on the show. And also, 
being in a position to represent your company and NAVWIC as the president-elect. So let's start with NAVWIC, because since you were president-elect, you know about NAVWIC, but I want to know your NAVWIC story. How did you get started, and, and tell us about that journey. Absolutely. Well, well, first off, thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit more about me and some of the organizations that I'm so passionate about. And um, NAVWIC was something that occurred as a result of a Google search online. I was looking for a minority-owned firm in South Florida because I was traveling there on business, and I wanted to develop more relationships, uh, create more connectivity, and I came across MCO Construction. And I was blown away looking at the press releases of this beautiful uh, African-American woman standing on top of these construction sites in a hard hat, you know, since the 80s, right? So this isn't like just a new thing. Like this is something that this lady has been, you know, phenomenal with. And so I read more, and it was Miss Ann McNeil, which was the founder of NAWIC. And I reached out because I wanted to connect with her while I was down there. And it just so happened that I was going to be flying in the day after Industry Day, uh, South Florida's Industry Day at Dillard High School. And so I got her on the phone after a few attempts of reaching out, um, and she said, you know, I'm happy to connect with you, but, you know, based on what you're saying, because I told her my story and how I'm so passionate about socioeconomic parity and making informed financial decisions and legacy, and she said, you know, I really would love to have you come and sit on a panel, you know, because I think that what you're saying is very important and it's something that the students need to hear, you know, and your story of entrepreneurship. And so that is how, you know, I – I found a way, I got my ticket changed and got there a day early, and it has been a phenomenal experience ever since. I had the opportunity to meet many of the founding members of NAVWIC and just really see their passion and commitment to the mission and vision of supporting black women in construction, being a resource to young girls that, you know, are interested in the STEM fields and making sure that they're aware of all of their options. Um, and really just being a resource in the community um, for having a say in, in what's going on around us and how we're able to build our businesses and develop those strategic relationships that are necessary uh, to fo- afford us those opportunities to grow our businesses and, and increase the, the economic capacity of our communities. But what moved you to want to serve in an officer's position within NAVWIC, because that takes a willingness to to get out there and make it happen yourself. Absolutely. Well, you know, my journey started in 2016, and I really just loved what the organization was about. It was in a direct alignment with my personal mission and vision and values. And so and it was also, you know, people who looked like me and welcomed me with open arms. And so, you know, once I got connected in South Florida, I was able to connect with the ladies that were here in Detroit, Michigan, that had been working very hard um, to, you know, organize and begin to have regular meetings. And so the piece that I felt that I could bring is helping with bringing business development resources. And so it really just started with me volunteering and helping to get out meeting notices and helping to, you know, get people to come and to join, Um, you know. And from there, I guess the leadership just kind of, you know, happened. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a plan for me, but, you know, I feel that the, with to whom much is given, much is expected, 
right? And so I think mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it's up to me to use the talent that I have to continue to support the organization that has really helped me to grow professionally and uh, personally since my involvement. Okay, so let's get back to you, This the talents that you're now using for the benefit of all in, involved, your community and NAVWIC and, and everyone else. Let's find out more about that talent. And first of all, what is socioeconomic parity? I mean, you talked about that as, as a part of your bio. What is that? Well, it's really having access to resources, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, someone's socioeconomic status is really, you know, defined with their usually work experience, their family's economic and social position, uh, in relation to the other people that are around you, their income, their education, their occupation. And so many of these things, you know, are just what they are when we come into this world. We don't choose what family we're born into. We don't choose what community we're born into. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't all deserve access to all of the resources that are available. Um, you know, you can have your family. You can have your faith. We have freedom because we live in the one, in the best country. <laughs> you know, we live in one of the best countries in the world. Uh, but if you don't have money, life is really hard. And so, you know, the importance of making sure that people are, one, aware of the opportunities and they have hope, and two, um, they're in a position where they can take advantage of those opportunities and they can benefit from the opportunities. So quite often what I find in socioeconomically disadvantaged communities is that there's this disconnect. Um, you know, there may be a resource center, like in Detroit we have Focused Hope, and we have um, various service organizations that are there that will help you know, someone to get technical skills that will give them an opportunity to get a job um, in a field that they can command a, a, a livable wage. But they may not know about that resource. They may not have transportation to that resource. They may not believe that they can do anything more than what they see. And so, um, you know, that is socioeconomic, um, you know, disparity. And how I, plan, how I bring parity is connecting those dots. You know, by mentoring young people that may be in the, they may have grown up in those environments, exposing them to opportunities that they may not have had opportunity to be exposed to, um, advocating for people that you know may not have been able to find a voice for themselves, um, and really just raising that awareness because it's one thing to promote diversity and say, hey, we want to have these programs to help people, but it's another thing to really connect people and put people in a position to be successful as a result. Wow. Now, your definition of it reminded me of, uh, of an activity that, that I was a part of years ago in a leadership or management training activity. And one of the things that they did to help us understand that whole subject was they had like three different groups. There were the people there were the communicators, then there were the people in, in judgment and with the money, with, with the control. And the communicator was the only link between the two groups, the people and the people making decisions. And to make a long story short, what came out of that was we discovered 
that regardless of what your socioeconomic background may have been to start with, if you put into a situation where you have been stripped of everything and you feel that it's not just and you feel that you're not being heard, and in that particular case, the communication was all screwed up and they were not being heard, anybody from any background just go absolutely nuts nuts and they 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 become wow and and do crazy things just to survive so when the socioeconomic levels are not um in parity you may find some and we do find in even in our own country the the resistance of fighting the the um trying to make it equal and sometimes by any means necessary. So this is an important subject, and I think we struggle with this all the time. So how are your faith, character, and mindset of abundance your foundation? I know you say that. So is that how you deal with these issues, or how does that help you? Well, you know, to your point, when people's backs are against the wall and they have nothing else, I believe that your true character is going to shine, um, and it's really going to be uh, very apparent. And, you know, the first start, you know, even in, you know, mentorship or consulting or, you know, whether it's a business or an individual, is really having awareness of who we are, who one is, who am I. You know, I am Levine. Henry and Tyrone Henry's daughter, right? I'm Carlene Henry's grand, Carlene and William Henry's granddaughter. Um, if I don't know who I am, then the world around me will define me. And so I think that um, being really clear on who I am, you know, uh, Dorothy Redding's granddaughter, you know, Charles Mitchell's granddaughter, um, a mom, a someone who loves herself, someone who loves her community, um, someone who is focused on her goals and her mission and her vision relentlessly, uh, someone who's persistent, someone who is is kind, who is empathetic, uh, someone who is not afraid to ask hard questions, someone who's not afraid to be, um, you know, to, to be looked upon a certain way because of feeling strongly about the things that I'm committed to, um, that to me is what gives me the strength to continue to, to forge forward regardless of what my current situation or results may be at whatever particular point I am. Um, and so when we talk about this whole concept of being a change agent and I talk about, you know, my character and having that mindset of abundance, all of these things are connected. And when you look at um, just for example, you can have someone that grows up in a socioeconomically disadvantaged community. They can have an excellent uh, education. They can go off to school. They can get a great career, and they can earn two to five times as much of anyone's family. But that doesn't necessarily change their socioeconomic status because it has to do with what you were exposed to. Who do you think you are? And if you are defining yourself by the amount of money that you're making, by the degrees that you have, by your job title, um, it makes it really difficult to get to a point where you can really be successful and to accumulate any type of wealth because it's, 
there's a constant focus and a constant uh, system of everyone around you, whether it's your work or your peers, the people you hang out with, defining who you are. Uh, And so that's why I say that those things are what really helped me to stay focused and to be able to bring that change that I've been in um, because I'm really clear about who I am. I'm really clear about where I'm going and and who I want to help and all the people I want to take with me. Um, And I know that it's a team effort, and I know I have to be open to receiving coaching, development, and guidance, but that's never going to change who I am. Well, (laughs) I am absolutely thrilled with your answer because you bring purpose to what I do. In fact, when I say to you that I capture, preserve, and present your legacy information in, in any form, it started with myself. And I have a poem that I wrote, and I'm not going to recite the whole thing because I don't really remember it all, but it had to do with self-motivation, and I would, my name is Ursula. So I was named for my grandmother, and her name is Ursula as well. So what I what I did was um, I wrote this, this poem that said, I am Ursula, and I'm named for Ursula Stevens. She's the best in her league, and I'm, I strive to be the best in mine. Ursula means little she-bear. Um, she's the – it's Ursa Major and Ursa Minor, and I'm just screwing this all up. But nevertheless, what it, I'll just tell it. What it really amounts to is that her name was Ursula, and Ursula means little she-bear, and it's named for Ursa Major and Ursa Minor, the, the constellations. And so – She's the Big Dipper, Ursa Major. I'm the Little Dipper, Ursa Minor. And I strive to be as good as she in everything that I do. And um, Bear is the epitome of strength. So I strive to be strong, yet gentle with those who treat me well, those kinds of things. So I use my name, um, and usually I have the book in front of me and I could read the whole thing, but to motivate myself and that keeps me grounded in who I am, what I'm to do, and regardless of what else is going on around me, it's not going to bother me because I am who I am. I am Ursula Stevens' granddaughter, and that is it. So when I hear you say that, it is just amazing to me because that's what what I believe, and I do legacy walls. So when people walk by those walls, I want to, especially young people, to, to see that there are people that look like them that that can motivate them to be what they want to be, give them the proof that they can be what they uh, strive to be, or even uh, let them know that there's something out there that they never even thought about that they can be. But it gives them the idea that, yes, I can do this. So um, I love what you said, and when people know and what, what I like about what you said also is that you picked the characteristics of your ancestors that you like. Now, we know that all our ancestors are not perfect. They flat out just are not. No one is. But we do have the ability to go back and say, okay, grandmother was good at this, grandfather was good at that, mama was good at this, and daddy was good at that, and I will pick this, this, and this. Now, even if you have picked up on some of the bad characteristics of them, you can choose to, to focus on the good and strive for those things that you do like about your ancestors. And I love that. I love what you did about that. So um, thank you very much for that. 
Now, the the other question that I have for you is you talk about the three Ps. And tell us, tell us about that. What are they again, and, and how do they work? Uh, professionalism, patience, and persistence. And so, you know, when I think of all of the amazing relationships that I've developed throughout the course of my life, um, you know, they've all required me to be cognizant of those things. So, you know, when it comes to building a business and trying to help build community resources, you really do have to be very persistent because most people that are successful and that have power and that have access to resources, they're being tugged in lots of different directions. Some of them are people who are worthy and needing of whatever, you know, it is are being that they're asking for and some of them not. So they have to really be, uh, you know, guardians of their time. And so what I've learned is if I can be persistent, if I can continue to reach out to someone, you know, even if it, it goes from, you know, you know, once a quarter, twice a year, even if it's once a year, depending on how long I've been reaching out to them, people begin to see that you're consistent in your approach and your messaging. Um, people begin to see that you're passionate about the work that you're doing. And when you remain professional, you know, I'm never, you know, going to be upset with someone because they didn't return a phone call. Um, you know, and just to give you an example, you know, I live in the city of Detroit. Um, there's a lot of movers and shakers. There's a lot of phenomenal young professionals that are, are growing and that are making a lot of great change, starting businesses, um, you know, creating uh, nonprofit organizations that are serving our youth, that are serving small business. Um, oh, you go to these events and you see the same people. It's the, it's, you know, the, everybody who's, like, moving and trying to get things done. There's this awesome energy in Detroit right now. You see the same people at the same events. And so, you know, I had this point where, it's like, I would see people and there would be this awkwardness because you reached out to them a few times and they haven't responded. And for me, I don't want someone to avoid me saying, hello, how are you doing, because they're afraid that they didn't return my call. You just don't take mm-hmm. it personal, Right. Because it's a right. professional thing. It's business, right? You don't take business personal. So that's one, one, one piece of it, right? And then just being patient, right? Just having the patience to know that if you're consistent in what you're doing and you have the right, uh, the, you're, you're moving in the right, for the right reasons and you have that passion and purpose behind you, then what you uh, believe is a, a piece of the puzzle of what you're trying to put together will come together. Um, and so that's something that, you know, I've some of the best clients that I have to this date, it may have taken a year or two years or three years before I was ever able to get, a, you know, a one-on-one conversation or meeting with them, right? And so all that, that is attributed to me being consistent. So I had to be persistent, I had to be patient, and I had to be professional. And when the time was right, and then the opportunity was there. So, you know, I'm just an advocate for that, and it's really about developing long-lasting relationships. When you meet with someone, I'm never expecting someone to become a client. I'm never expecting that they have to donate to the charity or organization, you know, because I sat with them and met with them that one time. But what I do expect is that they're going to, they are going to respect my time, I'm going to respect theirs, and there's something positive that's going to come out of that interaction. 
Um, and that positive may be them learning about a resource or an opportunity to help their nonprofit or business or professional development. It can be them connecting me with an individual that can, you know, help me to pursue the, the passions and the things that are important to me. And so that's what it's all about, you know, and without developing those relationships, you know, it's very difficult. Nobody's out here working in a silo getting things done all by themselves. We really do need one another in order to to bring the change that the world needs to see. All right. Now, I'm still working diligently on that patience thing. Um, I have some <laughs> stories about my not having patience, but I try hard. Now, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is the being the follow-up queen now what that brings to mind years ago i started um clipping articles out of the newspaper and sending those articles to the person uh, to the subject of the article if i knew that person and just say congratulations well with facebook and all of these other things it's easier to just say thank you and 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 congratulations right there online and i and i think it serves somewhat of the same purpose but I had one person say to me that she's held on to that for years. Like, I didn't even remember sending her the article, but she has held on to it for years. Um, now, my question is, what do you do as the follow-up queen? So that goes to my persistence, right? So if someone tells me, you know, I am in the, in the process of growing my nonprofit, and I've got some things I've got to get into alignment, you know, can you touch base with me in six months? Guess what? I'm touching base with them in six months. Um, So that's an example. Then as well, you know, I send handwritten notes. Um, You know, when people that are in my network, regardless of whether or not we have a personal relationship or not, if I see that they're being acknowledged for something that they've contributed to our community, especially something that is in alignment with my values or a passion that I have, I'm going to make sure to take the time to congratulate them or show up if it's something that I can do, you know, along my route and my journey throughout my day. Um, so when when I talk about following up, it's, it's really, you know, there's a difference between someone saying no and not right now. And, and whoever's listening or hears this, if you don't want to talk or you're not interested in doing business or you're not interested in connecting professionally, just say so. Because if you if you tell me to call you back in a year, guess what? Sister girl is calling you back in a year because to <laughs> me, to me, it's, it's all so many of the positive things that I've gotten. You know, whether it be something that's intangible or something tangible has been a result of my ability to All right. And I I have a couple of examples like that too, so I know you're right. I was trying to <laughs> to make an appointment with someone for over well, I won't say how long, it was a long time. Person showed up at a meeting and I went over, sat down, and I said, "I have been trying to reach you for da 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 da" and got that appointment. So, um you have to try whatever different method, methods because who knows what the reason was that you didn't connect initially. But until you get that hill, you keep going. I agree with you totally. So at this point, what we're going to do is take a commercial and um, be commercial. Okay. 
We are so excited to have you listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction blog talk radio show. Please call, text, or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash NABWIC or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to follow us by liking our page and post your questions or comments. NABWIC's intent is to always go into the high schools and colleges to encourage our young black girls and women to enter into the construction industry and to take interest into the STEM programs that are offered. We encourage you to listen to this show or past shows on the Internet by logging in at www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C. Thank you, and we're back. Yes, welcome back to Network Talk, and this is Ursula Odom, your host, and I am with Tylene Henry. Now, before I move on, there's a special person I'd like to um, acknowledge. That's my program director, Tina Williams. Tina has spoken to many of the people that you will be hearing from in the upcoming weeks. She went after some great people, and Miss Henry is one of them. So this is the quality of people that you will be hearing from, and thanks to Miss Williams of Williams Professional Water Restoration Service, LLC. Thank you, Tina. So um, with that, we're back to talking with Tylene Henry. Now, before the break, we were talking about all the things that you do, but how do you maintain a balance between your family and a business and multiple um, volunteer organizations that you're a part of? How do you do this? Uh, you know what? It's God <laughs> um, and faith. <laughs> you know, I, my faith in God and then also strategy. Um, you know, one thing that my father uh would always tell me whenever I might come to him and say that I was overwhelmed or, you know, even, you know, growing up in school, playing sports and things, is he would say, the more you do, the more you can do. And it's really that mindset of abundance, right? So if you say there's no time, there will be no time. If you say you have no money, you will have no money. You know, if you say you have no patience, you will have no patience. And so, For me, it's really just about being really strategic and making sure that all of the things that I am uh, involved in are all moving me closer and me moving my community closer to fulfilling my mission, and that's to bring socioeconomic parity. So, you know, for example, um, there's one of the most recent organizations that I've become very passionate about is Youth for Global Health and Social Justice. Um, this organization is really focused on advocacy, advocating for clean water and sanitation as a human right. And the youth component is there are students uh, as young as 13 years old. The majority of the students are either seniors in high school or in college. Um, but they are studying uh, the, the, the the whole the, every dynamic around waterborne illnesses and uh, engineering and, and design and maintenance of water treatment and social justice advocacy. How do we use some of the principles that the United Nations has 
um, already presented and put into place to be able to advocate for others. And so a lot of uh, it, most of the students that participate in this program, they're coming from different schools, different communities, different countries, and they're working together to solve problems in a global environment. Um, you know, being a volunteer in that organization, my son was fortunate enough to apply and be accepted into it. So that's something that we are able to do together. I'm helping to facilitate a portion and, you know, and chaperone, and he is advocating for clean water <laughs> and sanitation to be a human right on a global scale. And these students are utilizing the knowledge that they're learning. They're able to bring that to their communities to solve problems to really be a part of the change that we really need to see. Um, and, and so that's, a, you know, that's one example of how I'm able to, you know, serve and to spend time with my son and to help him to gain exposure. He's, we're, going, we're traveling to Dakar, Senegal in July. You know, that's one of the things that have been on my list of, of my most amazing future and what I wanted to accomplish is to be able to take him to Africa and I happen to have ancestry in Senegal. You know, that came from my follow-up, being persistent, reaching out to someone, connecting with them, finding out what was important to them, learning about how passionate Dr. Simmons is about this organization and, and how committed of a team, leadership team she has. Um, you know, NABWIC, being able to support you know, business development and to help advocate for women that own small businesses, to understand how, you know, politics is involved and engaged in everything, how, you know, if we are very clear on when dollars are being allocated to our communities, what type of rules are put around who gets those dollars and, and what in what time frame, if, if we don't, if we're not aware of that, then that's going to impact our ability to, um, take advantage of those opportunities, even if they are set aside for us. And just to give you an example, you know, I was at work late. I had picked, grabbed my son, and I had him calling. You know, I gave him a phone script, and he was calling the applicant members to give them a friendly reminder that we have a meeting coming up tomorrow night. You know, I've taken him with me to board meetings from the time he was three or four years old. And as a result, you know, he has a voice. He knows that he's valuable. He knows that he's a part of the change that we wish to see in this world and that's happening in this world. And he knows that he has a responsibility, you know, because he is blessed and fortunate and, and that he has the responsibility to advocate and to be a resource to others. And so, you know, that's how I manage to um, balance it all is I'm really you constantly integrating you know, my professional life, the things that I do in the nonprofit space, and my family, because if it doesn't, if it's not in alignment with my mission and vision, which includes my family and my community, then it's not something that's going to be on my agenda. You know, what's really wonderful about listening to you as you um, laid that out is it brought back great memories for me. At one point, I was um, involved with a financial services company. And I, too, love it when one of your children or your children in general show signs of picking up something that you have felt important and, and picking up and, and, and running with it. And there are two examples that come to mind with one of my children. <laughs> At eight years old or maybe even younger, uh, she walked up to an adult at school and said to the adult, 
are you making all the money you want to make? And the person was stunned. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and, of course, she said no. And my daughter said, well, my mom works for a company that will help you get the money that you want. Can I give her your name and number so that she can make an appointment with you? And the, wo- the woman couldn't help but do it. She was just totally curious as to where did this come from. And when I got the name and number, I was curious as to what the heck had happened. <laughs> so to make, a, to make a long story short, she had a daughter, my da- my daughter's age, and she wanted to go play with that girl. <laughs> so she got an appointment from me because there were times when I would take her on appointments with me because it was like home, you know, you go to somebody's house and you, you give the, the, the presentation. And that's, that was her motivation. But she pulled out of the air part of my presentation and laid it out and got what she wanted. <laughs> so I thought that was cool. And and to your point that's about incredible. I know. And and there are certain things that I know she's benefited from just from the access um, to what I did. And at different stages of my life, because that was like stage two. Um, now... She's about to live one of my dreams, which is which is in which is in line with what you just mentioned. She's going to Africa in the summer, and we're speaking it into existence because she still has to do some fundraising. But she's going to Africa to, with a schoolmate of hers, who she reconnected with, that they're going to be teaching young African girls and about personal hygiene and taking products over there that they can use. So it's like, okay, this works. And, and and she's heard me say what I wanted to do along those lines, and she found an opportunity and um, is going for it, and we're all going to support her. Now, we both may go, but come heck of high water, she's going. So I, I just totally yeah. support. Yeah, I, I support what you're saying and how you do it. And the last thing, when you mentioned about – um, balance, the, the thing that I remembered of, that I would say to my children is that they came first. Okay, they came first. But when you're in sales, as I was at the time that they were young, is that you can't cancel an appointment to go to a basketball game or a baseball game or whatever they were doing. But here's what I did. I always said, you and your activities come first. Give me the schedule. It goes on my calendar, mm-hmm. period. Nothing will prevent me from going to whatever activity you have told me about in advance. But if you come telling me something that you want me to do and I have an appointment where I could make $1,000, I'm sorry, honey, it ain't going to work. <laughs> but I've already I know that's you, right. You come first. So that's how uh, those are the things that you're reminding me of. And, and it's an interesting little journey down memory lane. So what are some of the greatest lessons you've learned since you've become a full-time entrepreneur? Absolutely. And I just want to say congratulations to your daughter and to you for making something that was, you know, a dream of reality and being able to really, um, you know, walk in. You know, it's one thing to say what you want to do and what you like to do. It's another thing to actually make it happen. And um, I think it's something that definitely has to be celebrated. And to that point of how you were sharing how, you know, our children, our families come first, you know, everything that 
you know, most of the women that I come in contact with, most of the entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, it's for their family so that they can have the resources financially, you know, and uh, socially that are required in order to be positioned to, to achieve uh, success. You know, and success doesn't always mean a, a dollar figure or a zip code, but really being able to be proud of who one is and, you know, really clear on what their purpose and purpose and position is in this world and what they're here to do. And quite often in order to achieve that, you do need economic resources. You do need to have um, access to different community uh, offerings. And so I think that it's really incredible that, you know, you've obviously had a successful career in sales and entrepreneurship and, you know, your daughter is really living, you know, the dream, right, living in what it is that you, you know, you saw the vision and and she's continuing it on. And that's what we're all here to do because what needs to be done on this earth will need to be done years and decades after I'm gone. But that progress, we have to, you know, give our youth the the resources, the confidence, the voice, you know, the self-awareness to be able to execute and get those things done. So I know I digressed a little bit from the question of, you know, what have I learned since I've been in this business, but I really did want to tell you that I think that's incredible, you know, what you've accomplished and, and how you've been able to give your daughter the power that, that you found along the way. Thank you. And before you answer your question again, um, you've inspired something, too. One of the things I heard someone say that was in her 70s, and she was giving us a tour of of um, her company and um, things that we were interested in, and she said, here's my 80-year game plan. Now, she's in her 70s. And she was laying out an 80-year game plan. She was in business with her daughter and grandson. That was mind-blowing to me because we come in contact with so many people that only think about them, I mean themselves, and the next dollar they're going to earn or or the next year or no long-term thoughts at all and certainly not thinking about two or three generations later. So that was incredible to me, and and that's what you reminded me of just then. So back to the question of your greatest lessons learned since full-time, that's what we were asking at that point. Absolutely. Um, I would say being obedient uh, to being um, paying attention and being obedient to God's will over my life, there have been things that I didn't, necessarily understand, to be totally honest, when I was being kind of like drawn to getting engaged with Maverick early on, you know, while it was something I was like, it was in alignment with my mission, vision, and values, being an entrepreneur, I'm like, well, I have to make money. If I don't, if I'm not making money, then I can't, you know, be a resource in the community. And I was having this hard time understanding how to balance being of service and building my financial practice, building my consulting practice, but I was obedient. I did what I was told to do, what I was led to do, what I was guided to do, and my family has continued to be provided for. We haven't missed any meals. You know, we have the things that we need, but I think that being obedient is really important because sometimes we allow the external factors to really um, draw our attention and focus away. We allow fear to creep in, 
fear of not having enough money, fear of not having enough, you know, uh, prestige, fear of not having enough control, power, whatever it is. But if we really let faith to uh, do its job and to, to really rely on our faith and obedience in God, I believe that that's one of the most important things that I've learned. And then as well, you know, making sure that I'm really authentic with who I am. You know, when I first financial services industry, you know, I kind of, I myself and I was led to believe that a financial advisor or professional looks a certain way. And, you know, typically you're thinking of a, you know, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male with a white shirt and a blue suit on. And I am, you know, as far from that as you can possibly get. So I remember I was, like, always wearing my hair straight. I was always, you know, super concerned about, you know, having on a, a dark suit. And and then I got to the point, especially it was around the time I got engaged with Navwick, that it's who I am is the reason why people do business with me. It's my level of expertise. It's my educational background. It's the uh, credentials that I have that tell them that, you know, I'm qualified to do this work. It's not because of what I'm wearing. Um, and that may get your foot into the door, but my goal is to build long-lasting relationships with my clients, helping them to develop a healthy relationship with money that doesn't happen overnight. And so, you know, they have to know who I am, and I have to know who they are. And so um, I would definitely say being authentically myself and then legacy, the importance of legacy in everything. Um, you know, when we talk about, being advocates for black women in construction, legacy is an important part of that, and that is the value that I would love to continue to bring is to help people to understand how to develop wealth and the fact that it's not going to happen overnight, it's not going to be one big contract, it's something that someone has to have discipline. They have to be able to do something systematically to get them to where they're going. Um, and so that's a piece, building communities, and also building people's financial wellness and their ability to provide a legacy that can be handed down over generations. And it takes time, it takes intention, and you have to be very meaningful. Um, and I also like to share one thing. Um, someone that I know and have much respect for wrote an incredible book. It's called When the Word Meets the Wallet, um, a financial Bible. Um, it's very important because I've talked to people who said, oh, God's going to work out all my problems. We have to be activated. We have to be good shepherds of what we're getting, and we have to use, have a guide. So it's important to be aware and be intentional and not to continue to delay. Um, you know, if I delayed my dream of, of entrepreneurship, I would still be working someplace where I was uncomfortable, I was not celebrated, where I was not appreciated and not even always respected. I am now doing my own thing. I'm living my dream. My family is, is well. We have what we need, and we're helping other people to achieve their goals. Um, so those are some of the important things that I've learned along the way and, you know, really just taking ownership for my failures as well as ownership for my success. Um, that's the only way I can really be a resource and a change agent for others is being authentic and being who I am. And then they get a choice of whether or not they want to absorb all this greatness and love or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm absolutely sure they will. And to that end, how do they reach you? 
Um, so my name is Kyleen Henry, so if you do a Google search, I'll pop up. Um, I can also be reached at 313-242-7315. That's 313-242-7315. And, yeah, that's how to get in contact with me. I'm also at henrykyleen at gmail.com. That's henrykyleen at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so very much. This has been delightful. Um, And to that end, to my listening audience, this is an example of what we do. And if you're a NABWIC member, this can be for you. And for those who are not, you can join too. Now I'm sounding like I'm creating a poem. (laughs) Uh, But I want you to come back next week and we will have another great guest and it just might be you. Okay. Take care. See you next week. Thank you so much. Be powerful. Be amazing. This concludes our show. Thank you for listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction. For more information about NABWIC and our membership, please visit us on the web at www.nabwic.org. We are the voice of black women in construction. Have a great and prosperous day.